Welcome to another episode. I am here with Coach Mike Torres. Mike is a good friend of mine, been a longtime training partner, now a school owner of his own. So I'm very happy to have him on uh, the show today. How are you doing, Mike? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you very much. Awesome, man. So um, I want to jump right into it, talk a little bit about your background in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I recorded something earlier and you know, a big part of what I was talking about was how much it changed kind of the person I am. So I'm, I'm interested in hearing yeah. about like how you found jiu-jitsu and how it how it kind of shaped you. How were you introduced to it? I was about 19 years old. Uh, I was just joining, excuse me, I was about 20 years old. Just joined the military. Um, I was in the army. I got stationed in my uh, first base, which was uh, Fort Eustis, Virginia. And I was introduced to combative system, right? First, it was like the army combative system. And then uh, I was also introduced to my really good friend, but boss at the time, named uh, Lisandro. And uh, he was pretty obsessed with jujitsu and fighting, all that stuff. And uh, I was always intrigued by it. Even growing up, I was really intrigued by it. And uh, he took me to my first class. He just brought me to my first class. And uh, it was in uh, Yorktown, Virginia, at the uh, Jiu-Jitsu Institute underneath uh, Ben Eaton. And we were his. he just opened up that week, and we were his very first two students. Um, oh, so you were like yeah. on the ground level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we, I mean, I didn't really know anything at all. My friend knew a little bit. Um, more than I did and obviously we had the black belt so it was pretty much like getting kind of like a private lesson uh, the first couple of weeks of class uh, from a black belt and being able to have a pretty consistent training partner that was just as green as you are yeah. and then kind of growing together at the same time and uh, really pushing each other to that next level right you know? yeah um, I, I was saying too like that's awesome to get to start with a black belt when I started it was just a blue belt instructor and like five other white belts in the room. Yeah. And you obviously had the advantage of a black belt instructor, but you didn't have a ton of training partners, which makes a big difference. Yeah. And I think some people are, you know, in the beginning, they're turned off by maybe not having the perfect uh, scenario, mm -hmm. you know, the perfect situation. But obviously, you know, you stuck with it. You know, what was it like maybe having some limited resources in terms of training partners and then what did you do to make sure that you were able to still progress during that time yeah so like as far as like training partners um i did have a really like i said i did have a really consistent training partner so you know after a while you kind of know each other's game you kind of know each other's next move uh it's very much like chess so we would uh there was other academies within the area of virginia so within the kind of Virginia Beach, Norfolk area, and we would uh, cross-train at different gyms. Mm -hmm. um, and we would kind of do that just to kind of measure ourselves against other white belts and other blue belts and things like that, just to kind of see gauge where we're at. For me, I was kind of clueless because that was the first time that I was introduced to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so I was kind of just unknown. I was kind of just going along for the ride. Yeah. Even though I was already developing this like passion for it, it was easy for me to show up to the classes at this point and easy for me to just you know say hey we're gonna go this way we're gonna go to this place today okay yeah i'll tag along you know so um that's kind of what we did we kind of measured ourselves by training cross training other places but not only that um being stationed on a military base each every military base has uh, a really nice gym available to you and sometimes those gyms they have mat rooms so we used to utilize the mat room during our lunch break and we would just drill some certain techniques and just stay on top of those techniques and not only that, we had some free time. And then, uh, YouTube was a great resource at the time as well. Yeah. So not like when you started where VHS, you know, VHS tapes. tapes. Yeah. <laughs> For yeah. that story a lot. Oh, it would have killed to have YouTube back then, man, because there's uh, so much now. Yeah. yeah. Even like today, uh, even with like today's platforms, you know, uh, like I have, you know, how I have my students now, you know, my white belts. And I kind of see like the type of resources that they have now versus the resources that I had yeah. compared to what you had. Right. You know, and uh, 
there's just so much more to offer out there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's no excuse not to be yeah. not to be learning. Yeah. Exactly. So when did you when did you know that obviously you you enjoyed it right away? Um, it was something you wanted to put in the time and get really good at. You know, a lot of people go down that route, but they don't they don't take the instructor route. It's yeah. it's something that is not part of their their future plans. They just mm-hmm. want to train. Maybe they want to compete. They want to get really good at it, um, but they don't have the desire to necessarily uh, give it all. You know, give it back or or teach one day. When did you? When did you know that that was something else that you really enjoyed? Yeah. So again, like when I first started jujitsu, again, I was pretty clueless about it. And then that first stripe came around, right? And my professor puts on this stripe on my belt and I'm like, what is this thing? Like, I don't understand what this tape is. You know, cause I've never been to a promotion ceremony. You yeah. Know? Again, we're just this really small gym on this small peninsula in Virginia. And, um, going, going to getting that first promotion, I was like, oh, okay. And then that second promotion came. And when that second promotion came, there is a few things that changed between starting to that point. You know, um, I had a really unhealthy lifestyle. Like I used to smoke cigarettes, um, drink, go out party, eat whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a quality sleep schedule. I didn't make certain sacrifices to make sure that I was performing better the next day. And I kind of noticed that. I kind of noticed that like the next day I would, you know, wake up or from a night of partying, or whatever, and it just wasn't making my performance better on the map. Right. So then it became to the point where, okay, is is this worth it? Because do I care more about this or do I care more about this? And right. that's when my passion started to develop because I started noticing that there was a change in me mentally and physically. And that when that change came around, um, that's when it was like, it became more inspiration, more inspirational. And I think uh, at that point I was like, okay, I definitely want to stick with this. Yeah. You know? And then try to make it a long story short, I uh, got introduced to another good friend of mine, uh, Lewis. And Lewis was a head combatant instructor for our base in the military. Um, and he actually brought me on to the combatives team and took me to my first certification level one. And that's where I kind of learned, oh, this is how you teach, or this is a basic way to teach. So, so through the combatives, you, you sort of had to teach. Correct. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like you get like your, you have at that time is different type of levels, right? So you have your level one to level four. And then the level one was just, uh, just your basic jujitsu, which I already had that down. Right. But then now they give you this hand, this handout, this like little packet and this packet you have to teach by their curriculum. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know what the curriculum is and then there's certain verbiage or certain things that you have to be able to say or, or teach somebody, um, especially if somebody that learns differently right. um, to be able to accommodate them. Right. So at that phase is where I started learning, oh, OK, this is how I can teach an adult how to do one move. Right. How to do a basic scissor sweep. Yeah. Right? So that's where like that learning the gaining the skills to be an instructor kind of uh that's where it kind of gave, became inspirational a little bit for me. now did you did you enjoy that right away because I, re- I remember when i first started teaching it was i was pretty young and um i liked it but part of it I, if i'm if i'm being honest part of it was there's a little bit of ego of like i'm the i'm the instructor yeah. and it took me years to realize that everyone is there you know, in class for kind of a different reason. Some people, they want to learn self-defense. Some people want to get in shape. Some people aren't quite as passionate about as you, but they still would like to get the skills and your job. I learned it was really, it's, it's kind of an emotional, you have to read your students' emotions when going into it. Not just, Hey, learn it the same way I did and feel the same way I feel about it. Everybody there is different. That took me a while. What was it like for you in the beginning of like trying to get 
you know, the message through to the students. Yeah, you definitely have to be receptive of uh, people's emotions, the way they learn and how they respond to certain things. Um, but for me, like going going into that, I was. Um, I'm sorry, repeat that part one more time. Well, yeah, <laughs> sorry. so no problem. Um, well, basically it was, it was, the question was in the beginning, uh, I'll rephrase it actually, here's a better way of putting it. Did you find any challenges about teaching and communicating with students that you had to, you know, improve upon over time? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely it was uh, confidence. Right. Confidence is definitely a big thing when you start to learn how to teach or you start to become an instructor. Because uh, you have to be confident in what you're showing people and what you're saying and things like that. Um, so the, the confidence, I've, I've never been a really confident person. You know, I didn't really get, sorry, becoming confident in myself until um, later on in my 20s when jiu-jitsu was really, you know, taken off for me. But that, the confidence definitely helps, you know, getting that message across. Mm-hmm. And but not only that, but also watching other instructors you know so like when you when i even when you're teaching i watch you teach like today when you're teaching um i pick up i take little mental notes like Mm -hmm. oh this is what this is the word he used oh he brought this detail in and he covered it this way so i think that's like a a missing kind of way of learning jujitsu for a lot of people like they kind of see they just see the technique whereas once you get past a certain level you start to see how another uh you know brown black belt instructor teaches that technique and i would mimic that or i would uh take that and i would try to use utilize that the best way i could to try to get that technique across to certain students yeah uh, no i agree and i think um what in the beginning i was i was really obsessed with jujitsu and i i was in love with the technical aspect of it enough that i would go to class you know no matter yeah. what and what i realized with you know as time went on is your priority as an instructor is first to inspire your students and then second to make sure that they got the moves down perfectly because if they get the moves perfectly but are uninspired they don't return Mm -hmm. and there's no there's no great reward in creating awesome white belts that quit right it's almost like you have to be willing to somewhat delay the process if somebody's a little bit slow in the beginning and make Mm -hmm. sure that they know that you care about them yeah and, then, and that took me a long time because I was the one that just drilled, like, no, do these details. It's so yes, fun. And, yeah. you know, just kind of thinking, like, you're going to like it as much as I like it. And yeah. it's like, well, that's that's selfish. When we start off, we start off, like, we, we have the passion. The passion comes really easily to us because, you know, we've committed our lives to jiu-jitsu. We committed the past few years of just training and teaching and things like that. But when you have that student and you want to get that, that message across, you automatically assume that they're going to have that same passion that you have. Yeah. Well, it's not always the case, you know. Sometimes that student has to kind of learn, um, learn how to develop that, you know, learn how beneficial jujitsu is for them or any type of martial art, really. But why? What is the value in this program? What is the value in this martial art, and how is it going to change me? And what is my? How do? Where do I see myself in five years from doing this starting? Yeah, and you know, on occasion you do run into the kind of the jujitsu junkie like we are, yeah. you know, off off the bat. But they're they're less common, you know, not at, not, it's not like every, every third student is going to be obsessed with jujitsu right away. But what I found is that everyone can grow into a very passionate martial artist. Yeah. It's just that not everybody is going, you know, people start at different ages. We started, you know, a little bit younger. Sometimes if you, 
if you start, um, you know, in your late 20s or 30s, you've al- you already have a lot going on in your life. So to say, hey, put that on hold and start training twice a day is not mm. practical yeah. for those students. It doesn't mean that they're not going to be a black belt, though, or that they're not going to fall in love with this. It just means that they've got a lo- you know other things going on in their life at the time. And so nurturing that and having the patience to have jujitsu take its full effect on them, I think is, um, is extremely important as an instructor. Yeah. You know? Um, so I was talking a little bit about this. I was, and you mentioned briefly too, like your, your kind of lifestyle before getting, you know, into the martial arts, Mm -hmm. how you like to party a lot and you didn't live a very healthy lifestyle. And, um, I had a similar, you know, situation. I didn't have any, positive outlook when I found jujitsu like the the couple years before that and I was I was a young teenager and a lot of teenagers are are sort of like that but but the idea of going to college was out the window Mm. the idea of planning a future or living a healthy lifestyle or 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 just anything was was not there it was kind of a day-to-day um existence at that time uh you know a lot of um like you know once my parents divorced it was pretty uh pretty touch and go in terms of like okay I live with my mom and live with my dad and it was you know it was not a not a real happy time but um when i found jujitsu it was like it was almost like a miracle drug you know that that immediately my perspective about the entire world started to change not overnight but it really really started changing and and i tell people that when you find anything that you're really passionate about it doesn't matter if it's something you can make a career with or not you owe it to yourself to investigate that idea to kind of look at it and say like well there's something here i like whatever you know i like uh i like tennis but even if i'm not going to be a professional tennis player because you have this one life and this one opportunity to to do what you want to do with it yeah so i mean you you kind of said it best like you decided okay well i don't feel good after partying so i'm going to clean up so i can train but um so just kind of a thought experiment do you ever imagine how different your life would be if you if you never found it because i have a i have a hard time answering this question yeah i really do i'm like i don't i don't know what the hell i would be doing (laughs) hopefully something good but Mm -hmm. i don't know for sure what what do you think honestly i yeah I, i just can't see my myself going any other route um but I know at that time I knew I told myself before before jujitsu when I listened to military I was like I'm gonna be a lifer I'm gonna stay in the military forever. Um, obviously it didn't go that route, but uh, that's because I found martial arts. But um, I mean honestly, if now if I didn't do jujitsu I might be in the military I might not be in the military. But at that point I wasn't even doing good when I was in the military because I was already a lot of those bad habits were catching up to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm a different person than I was then, but. Uh, I would definitely would have been on my way out, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> continue with the partying and eating whatever I wanted and doing whatever I wanted, not really listening to anybody's advice, being hot headed. Um, but that's kind of what it does for you. You know, it kind of humbles you a little bit. Right. You know? All right. So speaking of uh, speaking of humble, uh, what belt was the least humble for you? The least humble? The least humble, probably uh, blue belt. I blue? Would say blue belt. Yeah. Okay. I think that might be different for some people. Um, yeah, I, I was talking about this. Mine was like kind of early purple, so close yeah. to that. Yeah. Uh, the least humble. I definitely got humbled as a purple belt. I'll definitely I'll say that I was purple belt for about four years, but uh, at blue belt, 
um i think it really just depends on the area that you're at like today the times are different you know like we live in texas and um the jiu-jitsu community in texas is just so massive you know but as a blue belt um I was in the military in Virginia. The jiu-jitsu community wasn't as big. Right. We did a lot of local tournaments, and I performed really well at the local tournaments. And then after that, I moved to South Korea. I got stationed in South Korea. And uh, the jiu-jitsu competition at that time wasn't as big either. So yeah. it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of purple belts competing mm-hmm. um, when I was there. And I went there as a blue belt. So, again, like I was kind of performing really well at the blue belt level. But then once I got to purple belt, um, things started to really changed for me i was like oh man this is a whole other level of jiu-jitsu um especially when i was in south korea and i was traveling going to different countries training with different people um so i got an opportunity to kind of see like you know how everyone else trains and uh how they perform you know a blue belt over here or blue belt over there you know um so yeah so that's kind of well you mentioned something too i think is so important if you are a competitor or just anyone that wants to test yourself and be as good as you can be is you've really got to get out there oh, and yeah. see what's what's going on yeah. on a bigger scene. That's why I encourage students to compete, and not just to compete locally, but you know, go do the Pan Ams, the World Championships. Um, you know, you don't have to be a a lifelong competitor, but take part in that experience to know, not just to know where you stand, but to know what exists. Yeah. Um, same thing. I was, like when I started, like there was there was so little back then in the in the Texas Jiu Jitsu scene, and. Um, and I was pretty good, so I won a lot, which was fun. But then I went to Brazil, and it was like, holy crap, this is completely different. You know, yeah. this is, and, and that was that was very revealing to know, because you can put in your head, you know, when, especially when you when you know, okay, I know all the positions, I know a lot of moves. You you can the egotistical part of your brain wants to tell you you're 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 pretty good you know yeah. like you know oh, a yeah. lot Especially maybe you're, you're not a black belt but you kind of know a lot yeah. and it's like no you don't know anything like go back to these basic moves and and see how well you can do them to uh, a high level person mm-hmm. and and so um yeah that that was that was a game changer and tell me i, I imagine the answer is the same but i know for me like i really think that's analogous to life and i try to approach that um the way I learn anything that way is knowing that if you start getting a little bit good at something, um, you owe it to yourself to explore the topic more. Yeah. You know, if you learn something, like I was, we were talking about just before we started, like I started playing guitar and it's like in the beginning you, you kind of suck and then you, you learn a little bit and you think, Oh, I'm kind of good. And then mm-hmm. you, and then you try something one level harder. You're like, Oh, I suck all over again. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, what what kind of things do you like to do? Um, I guess your own continuing education because now you're running a business. Yeah, yeah. So that's I mean that's different. You can be, you know, like any any belt level or accomplish you know any uh, goal in jujitsu, but that doesn't prepare you for running a school. Right. So what is, like what has that been like for you? Um, like as far as improving as a jujitsu athlete. Uh, I have to be way more disciplined, way more dedicated to my schedule, um, eating habits, healthy, things like that. So as far as uh, like jiu-jitsu technique, I do have, as a brown belt, you know, you, you kind of develop all these different techniques that you've learned different places. So where can I get it? Where learning a new technique uh, for me is not like, it's not like something I'm crazy about, but right now I'm actually focused more on sharpening a lot of the older tools that I had, you know, yep. uh, some of the things that you, that I've learned from you. Um, and again, like coming from a different background with like training at different places, 
the way you teach something and the way that somebody else taught something, I get to blend both things. You know? Right. I get to see like what works, what works in this way or what works for me versus somebody else. You know? Um, but like, even like at that age, we're kind of talking about, um, the ego, even at, even at the age when I started, I was about 20, 21 years old. Um, I had a pretty inflated ego, you know, I'm, I'm okay to say that I had a pretty inflated, pretty inflated ego because just, just the fact of how small the Jewish community was at the time. Um, and it just we, smashed everyone. Yeah. Around just, you. just traveling and things <laughs> like that. And then, um, the more you, like I said, the more I got to blue belt, uh, purple belt, the more things started to get more exposed, you know, because I think at purple belt, um, there's just this broad range of technique you know you have like brand new purple belts that were blue belts and then you have these purple belt that's a brown belt you know yeah they just haven't got the promotion yeah yet. just haven't got the promotion yet and that's a huge technical gap right there yeah. um so kind of like going back into that yeah it was it was definitely a ride and uh so for now as an academy owner um i try to just give my students the uh teaching the basics but teaching basics advanced if that makes any sense yeah. you know uh, i blend the classes i don't have a big class uh um i may average like 10 students on the mat 10 to 15 students on the mat and that's going to be a mixed class with purple belts some brown sometimes a brown belt um white belts things like that but uh, i enjoy being able to show some basic stuff and then show them transition into like more advanced techniques that i really utilize a lot all right so um a couple of questions What's the what's the most enjoyable part of having a school, and what's the most challenging part? Uh, the most enjoyable part is seeing people fall in love with jujitsu. My yeah. students fall in love with jujitsu. That's what I get the most out of it. Uh, I love seeing the pictures of students sharing things. I love uh, seeing like some of the white belts, like they're kind of developing their own little techniques. You could say, mm-hmm. um, even though they're kind of like little sketchy, but it's the it's the spark of um, of interest um, and passion. That I'm, that I'm really excited about, you know. Right. Uh, they're starting to find themselves. They're trying to find their techniques and what works best for them, things like that. Um, definitely, uh, you know, teaching kids. I kids has always been a big passion of mine. Uh, we have a pretty massive, like, growing rapidly growing kids program, and uh, seeing the kids coming in and seeing them fall in love with jujitsu and keeping it entertained the whole time. They're just seeing like seeing a child coming in that's very timid and doesn't have a whole lot of confidence introducing it into our system and our classes and then showing them you know how to be a little more confident how to be more assertive and then you know at first they're like they're hesitant on touching that other student and then you know two weeks three weeks down the road they're putting them in a headlock throwing them to the ground climbing on top of them but yeah it's it's definitely the most enjoyable part of being an academy owner is seeing a passion that my students are developing right for. um and then the other question was what's the most challenging part uh but i want to i want to actually go to that for a second with the kids because we didn't start when we were kids yeah. we were already older i was yeah. i was a teenager you were about 20 years old and so um th- there's there's something unique about starting as a as a young child because like i and i try to explain this sometimes to the parents when we're giving the the character assignments and all the the life lessons that they have to take home at that age, they're not in a in a place to really understand the value of what they're getting. They're just forming the habits. Yeah. And then as they get a little bit older, they connect the habits mm-hmm. to a better quality life for themselves and the people that they care about. Yeah. And um, I mean that's huge. I think that's something we've both we have both taken from the martial arts sort of organically, just by doing yeah. it and being around people and being in a positive environment. But the potential 
to give that to a child when they're four, five, six, seven years old, mm-hmm. and then have them practice that. I mean, I think it's huge. That, that that's what excites me the most. I like I love going to the Pans and the World Championships and competing and screaming and being next to these legends, legends and coaching yeah. against them. I mean, that's super exciting. But then a kid who has like no confidence and can barely speak and walks like this. Yeah. And then they get up in front of class and they like read their their jujitsu homework assignment in front of everybody or or they do something um like you said. Like they have that moment where they execute a technique. That's a that's a life altering event. Yeah. And there's nothing more um uh you know, more enjoyable than witnessing that. Yeah. And you get to see it every day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um yeah, that's awesome. But as far as like uh, the challenging part of it um, is really like just a schedule, you know, just uh, scheduling, making sure that I'm putting enough time for the business. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things. You're not just a coach. You know, you're a business owner now. Uh, you're a marketing, um, you're a marketing guy now. You're an accountant. You're you're playing. You're wearing so many different hats. So for me, it's definitely. Um, I spent a lot of many years. Um, doing a internship, pretty much like an internship. They give it like an internship uh, with my first instructor in Virginia. Um, so I got out of the military in like 2005, 2006, 2005, I want to say. And then um, I started, I mean, not, excuse me, not 2005, 2015. And I moved back to Virginia, started working for him. And I, and I worked for him about a year and a half, two years. And I got to learn a lot from him. I took a lot away from him. Mm-hmm. And then moving back to Houston and training with you and then started teaching underneath you and coaching and then doing enrollments and things like that. So it's just my 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 uh, past four years um, have been committed to learning how to run a business. Yeah. Um, uh, I've always taken notes. Like, I mean, I ask a lot of questions, but I'm I'm observing. You know, always watching how people do different things. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't have the answers for everything. You know, I'm, I'm only you in do. my. I wish I did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, I'm in my first out uh, my second year of running the business now. So it's like, I'm still learning a lot. You know, the the funniest part when I talk to other like school owners is there's that kind of understanding of you put on a smile, you do your best. And then the doors close. You kind of do this sigh of like, oh, damn it. (laughs) And it's not that we don't love the people and the opportunities of what we do. It's just that there's no, it's it's like jujitsu. There's no Mm -hmm. perfecting running a school. There's getting to different levels, maybe even mastering some things. But if you... If you're not learning more than you did knew yesterday, mm-hmm. you're going to start declining. There's no, there's no ability to rest at the top of an even hill with yeah. business, with jujitsu, with any, with anything, right? And um, yeah, so I know where you're at, and it's yeah. uh, it can be stressful, but uh, it's it's worth it, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we uh, it's been very stressful actually. Like, we we were in our original space for like ten months. And then we outgrew that space, and then we moved into our new space, which is a little 2,000-square-foot warehouse spot, um, open warehouse spot. And uh, we've been there for f- almost four months now, four months. And now we're kind of in a position where we're kind of outgrowing that space again. Good problem so, to have. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. But now we're outgrowing that space again, so it's like, okay, well, I'll have this many months on my lease, so I have to start looking, getting my numbers right and being strict financially, like where am I at and what is actually um, – what can I actually do? You know, yeah. what's a what's a realistic goal for me within the next year or two years? You know, mm-hmm. doing that. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a ride. It's a lot of fun. It's really enjoyable. It's easy because I'm passionate about it. Yeah. You know. Good deal. 
Well, cool, man. Well, we're just about out of time. Um, that was insightful. I think that's going to be awesome for your students to check out and especially anybody who's in your position, just kind of getting started and having some of those growing yeah. pains. Um, anything you want to leave anybody with? Yeah. Um, if you are somebody that's like me that's really interested in uh, opening up a gym or academy, my number one advice that I can give you is to invest in a mentor, is to find somebody that you trust, that um, you you know you find you, you're you can relate to their system or you can relate to how they teach and things like that, and really be transparent about what your goals are, you know, and talk to that person and say I want to learn, you know. So definitely get a mentor if you're on that path of wanting to one day be an academy owner awesome well good stuff mike torres thank you for this i had a really great time we'll see you guys next time <laughs>